What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of QB1, uh, Building the Modern Quarterback. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Uh, I'll be joined shortly today by Eric Galco, the uh, Director of Player Personnel for the Shrine Game. Going to be talking to him about the process of combing the country, trying to find the top quarterbacks to invite uh, for the Shrine Game this year, which is moving to Las Vegas. Very exciting time for them. But before we get into that interview with Eric, before we kind of get you guys caught up on the landscape of the 2021 quarterback position, we got to remind you that our friends at BetMGM are our presenting sponsors. You can enjoy your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code Miller and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. BetMGM offers parlay specials and boosted odds every day. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code Miller and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sports books. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. you got to be 21 years of age or older to wager if you are lucky, unlike me, and live in a state uh, where you can wager legally. Missouri, we don't get to do that. Uh, we, You can do so many other fun things here. Wagering legally, not one of them yet. As I mentioned, though, very excited to be joined by one of my uh, oldest friends in this business, someone I've known since uh, really since I started at Bleacher Report back in 2010, Eric Galco. If you've followed the draft closely, you know he's a legend from you know his days running Optimum Scouting. He then goes to work at the XFL, now the Director of Player Personnel for the Shrine Game, which uh, a lot has been changed this year. The Shrine Game moving from Florida to Las Vegas. It's really becoming more of a premier event, really, uh, in terms of the pre-draft landscape, the All-Star Game landscape. Uh, I'm excited to, to finally get to see their roster, to get to see their, their coaching staffs once those, once those are announced. But not only is Eric a huge part of the draft landscape, he knows, <laughs> excuse me, a hell of a lot about evaluating quarterbacks. And you don't get his job without being able to evaluate some quarterbacks. So, Eric, thank you so much for hopping on with me today. I know you're a busy man with the Shrine game coming up in just a little over a month. And I, I imagine things are crazy for you right now. No, things are good. Things are good. The Ross coming together, too. The real thing I get excited about, and I appreciate you having me on, man, is, is talking to players directly and just sharing kind of the passion. I, I did this. A uh, year and a half ago with the XFL, sharing people why the XFL is going to be different. And it was different, if not for a, a goddamn pandemic. But why the Shrine Bowl is different this year, why it's going to be special. It's been, that's been the best part of the job is, is talking to players, man. Yeah, of course, man. So what is that process like? Because I, I do want to talk to you about, you know, the X amount of years that you've been evaluating this position and some of the things you've seen change. But you're in a different, you know, a different job now where you're almost recruiting these players to come to your game. But like any All-Star game, you want to get the best players that are out there. So where did you guys really start the process when you got this job to trying to whittle down, you know, 150 quarterbacks to uh, a handful that, that you believe are, you know, draft worthy, basically? Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for kind of my experience on a few things. One, um, you know, working as a scout for college to pro. And then at the XFL, I'm able to, I think have, and a lot of people that work with the XFL have the same kind of unique perspective of what it actually takes to be an NFL quarterback or even a fringe NFL quarterback with what our XFL quarterbacks really were. So, you know, I, I was a huge advocate of PJ Walker and Taylor Heineke. I signed every player in the league, but certainly the quarterback <laughs> I had my hands on um, and, and signing PJ and Taylor Heineke and even the misses like maybe Matt McGloin, who I still believe him, but he didn't work out a little bit. You just learn a lot about, kind of really what it takes to play quarterback at a professional level at all. 
not to mention the NFL, you realize how small the margins are. So I'm thankful for that experience. And then as far as Shrine Bowl goes, you know, between the XFL ending and me being hired at the Shrine Bowl that year, I was consulting for teams and people in the industry. And I had a good head start on the 2022 draft class well before being hired. So we had our eyes and we kind of knew what our quarterback board was really since April. We knew Malik Wills is going to be a star and is a star um, really since the year before as well and guys like that. So it's been for a lot of us, it's been kind of seeing what happens and talking to players. And, um, you know, it's not it's a lot less recruiting, Matt. It's more about educating players, see what they want. And if a player says, hey, you know what, this year, the senior bowl is better for me, that's okay because I know long-term we're in a good spot. But talking to players is my favorite part of this job, and it's been great to talk to a lot of those guys all the time. And it seems like if I were you, and we know each other well enough that, that you know, like everything for me is like, using that experience to, to leverage into something else. If I were you, Eric, I would be telling all these quarterbacks like, Hey, you know, who found Taylor Heineke and PJ Walker, right? Like they're starting this weekend in the NFL and they were, you know, I mean, I remember evaluating them coming out of college. Neither player was someone that you were like, Oh man, got to get to that old dominion game. Got to watch Taylor Heineke. But you saw something in, in those guys and, and the XFL did to where, you know, now they they've had that opportunity to, to go to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, not to sound like a total douche, but I think I've had a decent track record about evaluating quarterbacks. And even coming in this year, we had told a lot of NFL teams, two guys that we had graded as top four-round picks, Bailey Zappi and Jake Hayner, that they would be guys to watch out for. And obviously, Jake's going back to school. Bailey's a great quarterback. So I think we've got a good piece of it. And I think a lot of it is reps of just doing it for a long time. And then again, I mentioned that XFL experience, but one of the things the XFL taught me and one thing we cared about a lot in quarterbacks is our O-lines are going to probably suck. So we need quarterbacks that can improvise and make plays in the pocket, outside the pocket. And spoiler alert, that's what matters in the NFL today, too. And that's right. I think, a trait that I think I've been able to forcefully, with the XFL especially, find guys who can do that. So that experience kind of pays that off. But that's why this year I think the quarterback class is a lot of guys going back to school, but still a very strong class at the top. And I've been thankful to evaluate these guys. Where are you at in this process? I know we talked over the summer and you kind of had a guy you, you liked – as I guess QB one, how has that process changed for you this year? Has anything stood out? I mean, obviously the rise of Kenny Pickett at, at Pitt has been pretty impressive. Uh, you mentioned Malik Willis, you know, in August, everyone, not everyone, most people thought Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell would be the guy Rattler's now at South Carolina and Howell uh, hasn't, I don't, hasn't made any draft declaration that I've seen as of yet. So where are you at with this class right now? Yeah, I mean, you're going to call bullshit here. We haven't really changed too much of our rankings in quarterbacks this whole season. I think the biggest changes for us, pick it up a little bit. You know, Kenny Pickett's had an unbelievable year and the talent's undeniable, but we have moved pick it up a little bit, not to the top of the board or whatever else like that either. And I think some guys have gone down, but, you know, we were kind of a little pessimistic on Rattler coming into this year, need another year to kind of stay in school. But I think the important piece that, that I've kind of learned doing this, and especially consulting, because when you consult for people that are paying you money not to get this stuff wrong, you are really fine-tuning what you want to care about a quarterback. And a lot of guys, which I've learned, they don't change that much, right? Kenny Pickett hasn't really changed as a quarterback. He's gotten more comfortable, and he's been more comfortable in his offense, and his receivers are done dropping passes. And, and a lot of that came together into what ended up being a really special year. No, not trying to slight Kenny at all, but sometimes it's just situation and timing you can do. And as a scout, sometimes you've got to kind of remove that a little bit as well, too. But overall... You know, the quarterback, I think, was the top quarterback. Could have been the top quarterback in this class. I won't say who it is, but he's actually going back to school, it looks like. Um, and he'll be in next year's class. But overall, this quarterback class has been exciting. Maybe underwhelming a little bit. No one really emerged based off this year alone, like Zach Wilson did a year ago. Right, A year ago, Zach Wilson 
was a guy that because of his final season, he went from a fringe guy to a first-round pick. I think this year's quarterback classes, these guys have shown something different than they did before, but they haven't mm-hmm. holistically changed who they are. I would agree with that. And I've, I've, you know, I, my job's similar to yours in a way of like, you talk to so many people, not to, not so they can give you an opinion, but you almost just want to hear what, what else is out there. And, and especially because, like for me, I always want to hear like, is there something out there that hasn't been brought to my attention yet? You know, is there something about a player that, that maybe you haven't heard that's going to affect your grade on them? One thing I've heard about this quarterback class, I'm interested to hear how you see it, is that a lot of people are hedging. Like no one really wants to come out and say like, my QB1 is Matt Corral or my QB1 is Kenny Pickett. It feels like everyone is kind of just sitting on their hands at this point and, and no one really wants to jump on the table for their guy. That's definitely true. I mean, I think a lot of that too, Matt, is, and, and I'm thankful to know kind of where teams have guys in terms of round grades, and there's not a lot of first round grades on any of these quarterbacks. I would say mm-hmm. the top four or five, maybe a team has one first round. Grade. I mean, very few teams have three first round grades on quarterbacks, right? A year ago, almost everybody had at least three of those guys with first round grades, right? It was almost all Trevor, a lot had Zach, and then some had a mix of, of Trey, Justin, and, and Mac. And this year, most teams, including ones that need quarterbacks and are probably going to take quarterbacks, have their top-rated quarterback as a second-round pick. So that's where the hard part in this year's draft class really is, is you're going to take a guy that you know maybe is not there. But, you know, I've talked to a couple of quarterbacks in this class, and they've asked me kind of what to do. And I said, hey, on average, five quarterbacks go in the top two rounds every year, no matter what. And five are going to go in the top two rounds this year, spoiler alert. And where those guys really go is going to be fascinating, how these teams balance maybe a lower graded player with the value of having a quarterback and a rookie. Yeah. And I, that's kind of where I wanted to, to jump over to the other side of this, the, the longevity that you've had evaluating the quarterback position. What was your first year that you really consider yourself evaluating the draft, not just being a fan of it? Uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I probably fell in love with the draft and kind of really dove into scouting probably the year, even before this, but really started to take myself, try to try to take myself a little more serious on the Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning year. That was the year where I kind of really dove in and I was terrible at scouting quarterbacks back then. Um, but I just, in, in general, I was probably bad at scouting too, but that's kind of what I really started <laughs> really getting involved and doing more consulting piece as well too. But, but I would say really the time I started picking this up was I, when I really tried to learn and go outside my, my scope of watching film and talking to quarterback coaches, NFL personnel, reading a little bit more as well, but really trying to ask and play devil's advocate all the time. Why does this work? Why does this not work? And then I kind of thankfully kind of stumbled into correctly identifying guys and evaluating guys like Garoppolo and that, that kind of class is what I really try to be a little more active in my quarterback evaluations. And the biggest lesson I learned, and this is from watching the NFL in college, and I would definitely recommend people do this. Quarterback is a lot more of a yes, no position than you think, right? Sometimes a guy yes. has it or he doesn't. And that's why there's not a big difference between Baker Mayfield and Gardner Minshew because it's a yes, no. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. And it's much, if you think about it that way, Hey, do I think this guy has this skill set to start in the NFL? Don't ever think of, if you think about a guy, maybe an NFL backup, that means you don't think he's good enough. So don't, don't draft him. Right. That doesn't exist. And NFL teams don't draft guys. They think are only going to be backups. That's a stupid investment. That's where I think, I made mistakes early on, and now it's if I don't see a starter trait or ability to be a starter, and that player's not worth calling draftable. That, that's- 
Oh, so that's perfectly said. And and something that I, I wrote about last week was that I, I have this sticky note in front of my, my monitors at work and it says, remember good football players, which it kind of goes back to that whole premise of you either can or can't play. And it's sometimes we overcomplicate things. I think especially at quarterback, we start to care about things that maybe don't matter as much as we think they do. And you almost have to be like, okay, wait, let me, let me take a step back and, look at what what actually matters but for you what have you seen as like obviously off platform throws and mobility have big been big changes in the position but for you personally like what have you kind of seen change at the quarterback position no i think it's a big one i i don't want to overdo it but it, it's a lot of it and, and we're trying to help our younger scouts that work with us to kind of have this ready to go is there's a couple skills that are yes no and there are a couple of skills that can be subjective, right? Does a guy have an adequate NFL arm? We train our scouts what that looks like. And, and don't miss those, right? Don't say he does everything else great, but he can't have an NFL arm. There, there are some things you need to have, right? Hey, are you at least a little bit mobile? Hey, do you have an adequate arm? And you kind of check those off early, yes or no. Because if it's a no, then that player is not a guy you want to give a high grade to. And then beyond that, it's really that ability and the confidence and the timing to be a quarterback who can work inside and out of the pocket. And both those are necessary and talking with quarterback coaches. And I've talked to all of them. I know you had Quincy Avery on this, I think last week, um, talking to Quincy, talking to Jordan Palmer, talking to Jeff, talking to all the guys in the NFL as well. And you consistently hear the benefits of a quarterback winning from the pocket, not just as a passer, but also setting up the rest of your offense, working on design rollouts and working off balance. And you always want to, we have three different boxes for those quarterbacks to check off those three things. How are they in the pocket? Are they balanced and have lower, lower knee bend, can they be stable and balanced against pressure, all that kind of stuff, right? So, and you know how that stuff goes well, but making sure you identify those three things and how they do there. The last piece is, and I've learned this, especially from a quarterback coach named Jeff Christensen, who's very, very good, works with Pat Mahomes. He has taught me, if you're trying to evaluate mechanics, you're probably an idiot, right? Just don't even look at it. Focus on their balance, focus on their eyes, and focus on where the ball goes because mechanics can change and sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're good. It's almost like a baseball swing. Like, forget how he's hitting the baseball. If he's hitting the baseball consistently and it's repeatable, then it's okay. And same thing for quarterback. So I tell our scouts, ignore mechanics unless it impacts the flight of the ball. See where the ball is going. Is it accurate? And watch the quarterback's eyes, most importantly. Guys like Sam Howell this year, right? His mechanics are bad because he's getting a lot of pressure and he's still making big plays. I watch Sam, improvises. He's okay. He's balanced. He's The ball's going where it has to be on time. That's a good quarterback. I feel like I made that mistake a lot when I was like growing up in this business because at the time it felt like so much was drilled in your head about mechanics, you know, and it was like you have to your arm angle has to be like this. It was like the Jeff Tedford era, you know, of like the ball has to be at the oh, yeah. end. And it's like mechanics just got drilled into your head. And I, at the time, like I was coaching, not in at, you know, the NFL level, obviously, but in like that got drilled into my head there. And so when I'm coming up and evaluating players, it's like, oh, mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. I also think for some of us at quarterback, it's a very hard position to position to evaluate. Me- mechanics are almost like something that everyone can understand, right? It's like a 40 yard dash. Like, oh, that's faster, that's slow. With mechanics, for the longest time, it was like pass fail. Basically, it's like, these are good mechanics. These are bad. But then like, Philip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, these guys come along and it's like, well, fuck, those mechanics are not what I was taught to like, and they're amazing. So what do you, like, what do, you do here? Right. It, it's, it's almost more like 
evaluating quarterbacks is more like evaluating running backs than it is like evaluating a pitcher in baseball. And I think for a lot of people, they think about, oh, here's the pitcher. Can he generate velocity? What's his arm look like? Where's his launch point? All that stuff. And it's much more like a running back. You're looking for vision and timing, right? And that's what a quarterback's doing. It's, hey, I drop back. I have a lane here. Is this throw open? No, let's go to this throw, right? Just like a cutback lane for a running back. It's much more like that with their eyes. And you know, that's why Pat Mahomes, like the arm angle looked weird, but he was always on balance. And you watch his eyes and you talk to Pat, which I was thankful to do before his junior year. That's why we were, we had a first round going to Pat before his junior year. And in large part, because I talked to him and he was so, can I curse this? So effing smart. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, oh man. Like this kid knows exactly what, he, when he takes chances, like he's literally just trying shit out. <laughs> and when I heard that, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be, ju- he knows exactly what he's doing and he's got freaky arm talent and he's always on balance and his eyes are there. So same with Bailey Zappi this year and guys like Taylor Heineke, even at college and moving forward, you can see their eyes are processed correctly. And when they make a mistake, it's usually a mistake they kind of predicted could happen, right? Almost like a statistician being like, hey, the odds of this being successful are 60% versus 40. I'll take this chance versus some guys have no idea. Like Mahomes told me recently that he led the NFL last year in intercepted free plays. That was a basically just like, I, I wasn't intending for it to be one, but you know, it's like one of those. I was, snapped, exactly I was Snapchat saying, messaging Pat, and he was uh, right. Yeah, I was in a TikTok with Jackson, and we were talking about <laughs> oh, this, whoa. and that would never happen. Um, but you know, it's just that, like you were saying, that calculated. You know, almost if this is a, an error, it's okay. Like it's it's not going to cost my team. So as you let's put you in the driver's seat. Let's say the Las Vegas Raiders clean house and they say, "Hey, Eric, you're already in town. Let's just bring you over. You're running the team." What what do you bring in as kind of your core tenets when it comes to the quarterback position of like have to have traits for these guys? Yeah, I mean, obviously a little bit relies on what kind of offense you want to run, right? If it's short mid passing versus vertical pass, and that impacts a little bit as well too, but. The most important thing is probably competition. Um, I was able to work at, and, and I mentioned Taylor Heineke, if I can make an XFL story real quick. Taylor Heineke was a freaking backup for the St. Louis Battlehawks, right? And he was, oh, that competition was great. Both his, him and the starting quarterback got a lot better um, over the course of their training camp, mini camp, and Taylor was a great teammate. And I think that's, I've learned how valuable that can really be. And assuming Derek Carr is not the quarterback. I still believe in Derek Carr for sure. But if I was to bring in a rookie or somebody else, I do subscribe where I, maybe I didn't five, six years ago to the veteran rookie you know, dynamic of doing that. But the most important thing, and again, this sounds like 10 years ago, me would have hated this, but along with the ability to improvise and be creative as a quarterback, you've got to trust the kid. And it's this, again, it's a yes, no business, but the guys that are yeses that don't make it, it's because they can't handle the pressure, the stress, the dynamic ability of it. And, you know, I haven't spoken to every quarterback in this draft class yet. I likely will at some point. Um, I have spoken to Malik Willis and, you know, he's a guy that is a yes on and off the field for me immediately. And it's some of those things that you just can't know until you talk to the player and get a chance to know who they are. And that's kind of where I mentioned Pat, right? Pat had that. Yes, absolutely. Malik has that yes, absolutely for me as well, too. Some quarterbacks in this class will and some won't. So it's those two dynamics, almost simple as, hey, can this guy improvise and make plays in and out of the pocket with eyes, with vision? Does he check off the athletic tools and the arm strength he needs? And then do you trust this person to go through some shit, right? Go through bad stuff. Derek Carr has done that in college and the NFL. He's gone through some bad stuff and he's gone through the good stuff and he's still here right now. And I think a lot of quarterbacks don't have that. And at the end of the day, it's a lot about building the team around him more than the quarterback. I don't believe a quarterback should be you pin your whole hopes to a quarterback, but I think a guy that can win you games and not lose you games, as simple as that sounds, 
that's what Taylor Heineke's done. That's what Pat Mahomes has done. They're not that different of players when you really think about it. And that's why that's kind of the coordinates I would say to do that is competition and making sure you have. Do you have a guy this year that is kind of your Taylor Heineke, PJ Walker? You mentioned Bailey Zappi, who uh, it's funny. You mentioned uh, Bailey Zappi, and then we were talking about Patrick Mahomes. Something they have in common is the the offensive coordinator at Western Kentucky is, yeah. is someone who's worked with both those guys and now will be at Texas Tech. Uh, do you have a quarterback this year that's kind of your, I don't even like the word sleeper anymore, but kind of your under-the-radar guy? Yeah, I would say there's probably two or three guys that I think could fit that mold. Bailey, certainly first and foremost. Again, we've had a high grade at Bailey coming into the year. Um, has a lot of that Taylor Heineke, I think, ability to him where he can win from the pocket with great balance, great base, can win in the middle part of the field, always sets a receiver up for yards after catch, so important today as NFL, and also has, again, checks the box, arm talent, athleticism to work downfield. So I think Bailey can absolutely be an NFL starting draft class, and I would go as far to say that he'll probably be the fifth or sixth quarterback taken. He will not be the fifth or sixth best quarterback in this draft class. He has enough skills where I'm confident that he'll he'll be in the league for, for at least six, seven years, if not starting games in the future as well. Um, and beyond him, a, a really intriguing quarterback, and, and I'll, I'll admit this a little self-serving, but E.J. Perry at Brown is going to be one of the best athletes at quarterback in this draft class. And I think if he – there's area scouts who have told me, and they'll probably come, come out as well, where, hey – he would have been the quarterback over Phil Dracovic at BC if they're both still there talent-wise. And people think Phil might be a first or second round pick next year. So I think athleticism checks those boxes. Smart kid at Brown, that's really important as well. And then lastly, Brock Purdy at Iowa State, been a three-year starter. And again, I mentioned how Baker Mayfield and Gardner Minshew aren't that different in terms of players. Gardner Minshew and Brock Purdy aren't that different of players either, right? And I think that's where the interesting part is that sometimes it's a yes-no business. And I think Brock and EJ and definitely Brock and and, uh, and Bailey kind of check those boxes of, yep, they can handle things on and off the field. They can improvise. And we'll see if those three guys can be maybe sort of late day too early day. Yeah, I, I will say um, EJ is the player I've probably been asked most about by area scouts who are like, hey, have you heard about this? You heard about this kid at, at Brown, right? And sometimes they're telling you to make sure, hey, dumbass, make sure you, you evaluate this player. But then also it's like, what have you heard? You know, what what's the, the word on him? And I mean, I haven't had a chance to see him in person yet, but everything I've heard is is phenomenal. I'll tell you, man, to he, he, he's he's getting drafted. He's the numbers he's going to put up athletically are stupid. Like he'll be considered a safety by some teams as well as quarterback. That's how athletic he's going to be. So um, he'll be fun. You'll watch. I'll give you some film for you. Check him out and make sure. <laughs> I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're not. But I will say I had someone, and sometimes these comparisons, you know how they are, but I had someone say that he reminded them of Jalen Hurts from an athletic standpoint and a mental makeup standpoint. The, you Obviously, you know, not as successful as a, a passer, maybe at, you know, definitely not as high of a level, I should say, but that that's maybe the kind of person you're getting. And, and I would say one of the unique parts of this year, and I think for people that follow the NFL draft, it's worth kind of learning some of these names that, hey, I'll be honest, some years, EJ would be a guy that is a, hey, there's too many good quarterbacks and he's going to be an undrafted player. But, you know, NFL teams want quarterbacks, right? Even a fourth-round quarterback, if he's even not that good and he's a backup that can get you by, that's a really good contract to have as opposed to paying $15 million a year for Teddy Bridgewater, right? So I think right. we still see 12 quarterbacks getting drafted this year. And it may be different this year than other years to find 12 quarterbacks to get picked. But that's why, like, I think fans who their teams need backups or starters – Hey, do you want to go pay $25 million for Jimmy Garoppolo? And I love Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think I'd rather a guy like Bailey Zappi in the third round than Jimmy Garoppolo for $25 million. That's what teams will kind of do. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. As as a long suffering Niners fan, I'm like shaking my head over here, like yes, yes, please <laughs> give me that, give me that. Uh, what other positions? I know this is a, a QB one podcast, but I would I would be an idiot if I didn't ask you. What other positions are you excited about with with the rosters you have coming together for the Shrine Game? You know, I think corner um, and, and edge rusher are probably two I'm really excited about. Um, we've got uh, Jack Jones of Arizona State who, who's coming to the Shrine Bowl. He's a guy that's going to go in the top two or three rounds, and, and he's really excited about being in Las Vegas. Chase Lucas, his teammate, being one of the top nickel corners in the draft class. So I would say we're, we're announcing our roster more the next couple of days. We've kind of been holding back when we're talking to players a little bit, but we'll probably have – we have about 94 players accepted to the Shrine Bowl right now. We'll have about 120 by the end of next week. And I would say corner – probably have the most draft picks and maybe a better roster, dare I say better, or at least competitive with your buddy uh, Jim in the senior bowl as well, too. So we're excited at corner and edge rusher and then uh, receivers coming together nicely as well, too. But we're excited. We, I, I think a lot of these kids are, are good kids. We've got a high standard for character at the game and also a high standard for talent and scouting. And I think I think NFL teams are really excited by the quality. Well, and I will say I've seen your announcements on Twitter, which must follow to keep up with not only the announcements, but also just if you are a draft nerd like I am, it's great to get some you know behind the scenes throughout the season. But one thing I've noticed is your roster is very athletic because I have like this spreadsheet. And when you guys announce a player, I'll go in next to his name and say Shrine Bowl. And more times than not, the next tab, next column over is where I put my notes on a player. And there will be something in there about like freaky speed, great athlete. And I'm like, oh, Eric's just trying to build a track team. I see what he's doing. But you guys have a ton of great athletes. Uh, but also, you've had some big names. Jackson Kirkland, who was you know getting first-round grades early in the season. You, there's a lot of very notable players. And I think that's one thing that uh, we've seen an immediate you know jump in the way that you've built your roster this year. It's been fun to, uh, you know, again, I, I joke and, and I like Jim. The Senior Bowl is a great job and I'm competitive. And I, I, my goal is to have a, a value proposition and say, hey, I mean, again, I one more XFL story. I remember back in 2019, I was saying, don't go to the AAF. Here's the XFL and here's why. And that pitch worked back then. I think so far the guys you mentioned, it's working this year as well, too. So I'm um, excited to have a good event this year and have some, um, you know, I would say there's probably a, 70% chance we'll have a first-round pick at the Shrine Ball this year, Matt. And if I'm wrong, we'll have a, we'll have a drink in Las Vegas. There we go. That, I mean, you know I'm always always down for that. Uh, I've kept you for 30 minutes, so I appreciate your time so much, Eric. Uh, congratulations on the, the amazing start that you guys have had to the, the Shrine game this year. I'm excited to see the rosters when they come out. Uh, and if, you, if you're listening to this and love the draft, I'll just say a, a weekend in Vegas watching football, not the worst time. So uh, what are you guys doing for fans and, and kind of those media members who are just getting started at the, at the shrine game? Oh, looks like I lost Eric. That's my bad. I, I gave him that, the exit. I'll, I'll get that information for you guys. So we'll add it on uh, in the future, but uh, thank you guys for hanging out. If you're listening live on the call in app, thank you so much for that. That is the best way to interact with the show. We'll be doing some AMAs, especially as we do get to that uh, time of year where it's Shrine Games, Senior Bowl, Combine. Uh, myself, Mellow Big Country will be out at a lot of these events to be able to take your questions. And for those of you that can't come along, we can kind of bring you with us to those events. So thank you for listening. Make sure you follow and subscribe in the call-in app or if you're listening to this on a, a traditional uh, podcast app like Spotify or Apple, Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you guys. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, BetMGM. Next episode, 
my guy Kenny Pickett on with me. It'll be a good one. I'll let you know when we have the details on that. Thanks again. Talk to you soon.